Hi, my name is Joe Hancock, founder of His Vessel Ministries, and your host for Becoming His Vessel podcast. Often say in this thing called life, I may not always get it right, but my heart is to get it right. So my heart's desire is that this would be a resource for me as well as you, that we would be formed by God's Word, filled with Father God, and just poured out for His glory, truly becoming His vessel. I want to share my thoughts and my knowledge and some things that I've learned about the Passion Translation of the Bible. I tell you, there are so many Christians today that are using this translation And I want to tell you, it's not a translation of the Bible. So let me tell you my thoughts. I was first alerted to the Passion Bible some years ago, right soon after the Passion Translation was published. I was at a women's retreat, and the speaker referred to several scriptures and quoted from the Passion Translation. And immediately, my spirit was quickened, and I thought, that's not what the Bible says. And each time that this speaker quoted these scriptures, I would think, where is this coming from? So I began to research this Bible. And I learned from my research that the Passion Bible is really man's philosophy. It's man's thoughts of the Bible. So I laid it aside. But in the past year, there are more and more and more people and people right around me using the Passion Translation. And again, I was alerted. I got a word of encouragement and it was quoting the Passion Bible. And buddy, I was in high alert this time. I thought, that is not what that verse says. That is not what that verse means. And this is pure heresy. And so I dug deeper into it. And what I learned, it's not... Now, look, I'm not a Bible scholar. Don't misunderstand me. But I am someone who wants to know the Word. I want to know truth so I can live truth. And it appears to me from my research that the author of the Passion Bible is attempting to explain his understanding of the meaning of Scripture rather than translating word for word what the Bible says. So what I say, the Passion, is not a Bible. It's a manuscript. It's a book that some man has written. But it is not a translation of the Bible. Let me tell you why. This is what I looked into. I spent hours researching the author and researching about the Passion Bible. And I'll tell you to start with, I don't know the author. I don't have a clue who this person is except what I have learned about reading and what he says himself about who he is and about how he came about writing the Passion and why. So first, let me tell you something about the author. The author himself, you always look for credentials and for a teacher that's my background that's that is my spiritual gift and so you always have to validate things for a teacher so i wanted to validate the author well looking into the author himself brian simmons he has no credentials to translate hebrew or greek language i don't have any credentials to translate hebrew or greek language and it appears that his personal ideas thoughts his philosophy was what was used to translate the meaning of 
words in the Bible. And I also learned that he himself has given several interviews about the Bible itself and where it came from. And he said on one occasion, when he was being interviewed by CBN, that he was asked about, you know, his background, where he came from. And he said he came off the mission field and he went to Connecticut and there he pastored for a number of years. And then the Lord just turned his heart and gave him a new assignment. And he says, and I'm quoting his words, he said, I had this longing rise up in me to translate the Bible again in a new dynamic English version. But I needed the Lord to really make it clear. So I asked him and he confirmed it. He made it very clear to me and I'm understanding it that he wanted me to pursue this project. So, obviously, he wanted to come out of pastoring a church. He had a longing that rose up inside of him to translate the Bible. But he says in another interview, this was another TV interview, when he was asked about how this project, that he calls it, came upon him. And in 2009, when he got this new assignment to translate this new dynamic Bible translation, this is what he said, quote, Jesus came into my room. He breathed on me and he commissioned me. It felt like a kiss from heaven. It felt like heaven's wind. The rock, the breath, the wind of God came upon me. And he spoke to me and said, I'm commissioning you to translate the Bible into the translation project that I'm giving you to do. He promised me that he would give me secrets of the Hebrew language. He went on to say in this interview, quote, I believe the spirit of revelation was given. He breathed on me so that I could do the project. And I felt downloads coming instantly. I received downloads. It was like I got a chip put inside of me. I got a connection inside of me to hear him better, to understand the scriptures better, and hopefully to translate. Now, this is the author's words. This is what he said. He went on to say it's divine. It's a full revelation. It's flavor. This is what Brian Simmons says about how he got the word from God to write this, what he calls a translation. So in his own words, he's telling us he's not taking the, the Bible, Hebrew, the Greek, translating it word for word and giving us what the Bible says in a language that we can understand, which is what a translation is. And man is giving us his thoughts to words, new revelation of the word. I will tell you, we have been warned from the word of God that we are not to add to or take away from God's word. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Proverbs 30, 5 through 6 says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. 
We are told, don't add to this word, don't take from this word. There are no new revelations. God has revealed himself through this word, and this word is God. Why? So that we will know God. And when man starts to add his thoughts, his philosophy, his own revelation, how he sees things from his perspective, we start to move away from who God is by moving away from the word of God. And this is how we fall in this slippery slope of heresy, and we move away from being tempted to disobey God. The other thing that the author of the Passion, Brian Simmons, says himself, he said that Jesus promised that he would help me. That's Brian. And he promised me, again, Brian, that he would give me secrets of the Hebrew language. I'm going to tell you, anytime someone tells you that they have secrets from God, that God reveals to just them, and then they reveal it to you, you should be on high alert. High alert. Why? Because the Word says that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and the Spirit is the one who reveals truth to you. What? The truth that has been recorded, this Word that has been God-breathed and has been written down, entrusted, And we are to read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit as our teacher, revealing truth to us. And so it's very dangerous when we take on a project to what we call translate the Bible, and we start to rewrite the Bible in our own words and say, thus saith the Lord, or that this is the meaning of Scripture. This is what will lead people astray from the truth. And then we start to turn from the truth because we don't know truth. And Deuteronomy 4.2, God warned the Israelites. He said, don't you add to this word, but obey the word. So what am I saying? We are to understand that there are translations of the Bible, such as the Passion, that we are using that I believe are tools in the hand of the enemy. And they're being used today to remove us from God. Because you see, the enemy is creeping into the church. And how does he do that? Through deception. To do what? To eventually take down the church. And how does he do that? To remove sin. You start to be your own God. You don't see sin as God sees sin because we don't recognize it. Why? Because we don't know the word. The word's been rewritten. And one major way that I see is happening, is heresy is creeping in because we're rewriting the truth by using what's called the new translations of the Bible. And I submit to you again, they are not translations of the Bible. They are man rewriting the Bible. And I guess in their objective to bring clarity to the Bible. And see, what's happening is the enemy is allowing pastors to step into pulpits to legitimize these translations by using them. And why? Because we look to authority and we say the Bible is our authority. And when pastors who use these translations that are not translations at all, like the passion as truth, they step in and we think they're authority. So we say, well, my pastor says this is what truth is. So it must be truth. See, We were warned from the Bible to be very careful. We were to be on high alert to man's philosophy and man's thoughts creeping into the church. Because after a while, we think that is truth. And Colossians 2, 4 and 8 says, Be aware 
lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. Anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the word, and not according to Christ. See, this Bible is our authority. And Satan is using deception to get us to rebel against God by changing the Word of God. This is why it is so important that you know the Word. This is why the Bible was translated word for word that we might know God and live God. Let me give you just a brief history right here of how we got the Bible. See, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the Bible was God-breathed. It was inspired by God, and it was written down by men that God entrusted this to. These were ancient words. And so early translations of the Bible were of these ancient words that were God-breathed into men that recorded them so that man could know God and live the Word of God. In other words, obey God. And so we got translations through the course of history in various languages so we could know God, know the Word, and obey God. And so we got an English translation. You know, I can't read Hebrew. I can't read Greek. Most people in America don't, but we needed an English translation. And so the Bible was translated from its early translation into an English translation using words as close to the Hebrew, as close to these ancient words, the Greek words that were spoken by God. So we got what is called a word-for-word translation. What that means is for when there was a Hebrew word, it was translated into as close as possible the English word as close to the meaning of that Hebrew word. Same way the New Testament, a Greek word, and it was translated into an English word as close to that represented, reflected the Greek word. And so we had early English translations. Now, there is some debate about which one is as close to the original manuscripts of the Bible. Is it the King James Version, or is it the American Standard Version? But I will tell you, they are both word-for-word translations. And so we have the King James Bible, the American Standard Bible, and then later came this recent English Standard Versions. And then from the King James Version, we got the New King James Version. From the American Standard, we got the New American Standard, and they were simply just changing some of the old-fashioned way or use of words to update it, where it would say, Thus saith the Lord, thee and thou. We don't talk like that, you know, in our English language today. And so the New King James, the New American Standard, just would take out those old words. In fact, I remember when I first started teaching Bible studies and just studying the Word for myself and then teaching individuals the Word, I always used the King James Version because I had been taught that was a word-for-word translation. It was close to a 
translation of the early Bible. And I remember a friend came to me and she said, Joe, if you're going to teach the Bible so people can understand it, or you're going to read scriptures, you're going to have to get away from that King James Bible because those these and thou's and saith the Lord, you lose people in reading those words in scripture. And so I went to New King James. And now today I sometimes use the New American Standard and sometimes I use the English Standard Version. Why? They are word-for-word translations. They are a true translation. And for me, it's a safeguard that I don't fall into this trap, as Paul wrote in the book of Colossians, that man's philosophy creeps in, man's thoughts, man's ideas, man's interpretation of things creep in and lead us astray. So, we look for word-for-word translation. But I will tell you, I believe back in the early 70s, we started a slippery slope in the Bibles that we used, and we embraced the Living Bible. And the Living Bible is not a word-for-word translation. It's a paraphrased Bible. Someone wrote this Bible, and they took what the Bible said, and they paraphrased it in their own words. That's not a translation. That's a manuscript that someone has written of what their thoughts are of the Bible. And then we move to word-for-phrase translation. This is the new international version. It's not a word-for-word. It's a word. And then in some places, instead of the word, they would replace that word with a phrase. Well, how do I know which word is supposed to be as close to Greek or as close to Hebrew? And then we really went deep into these translations. We came out with the Message Bible. The Message Bible is not a translation. It's another manuscript of someone's philosophy and thoughts and uh, their ideas of paraphrasing the Bible. And this is exactly what the Passion Bible does. And so I call them manuscripts. There are books. If you want to sit down and read them like a book, but you cannot study and understand God's Word and how we are to obey God's Word by using these manuscripts like the message or the passion. And you even have to check people's motives for why certain translations, quote unquote, are written. For instance, I recently learned several years ago that there is a a denomination that had their own translation of the Bible published. And I learned that their reason is because they were quoting a translation that was owned by another publisher, and they were having to pay royalties to that publisher. And they didn't want to have to pay royalties every time they quoted that translation. So they hired a group of scholars, biblical scholars, to do their own personal translation so they could use that translation in their writings so they didn't have to pay money. I will tell you, I'm not quite sure that is a godly motive for a translation. But looking at these translations again, I just believe it's a way that the enemy has crept in to get us to rebel against the Word of God. So we disobey God and we follow 
our own fleshly passions and vain pursuits to the point that we don't even recognize what sin is. So therefore, we're not disobeying God. And as our culture changes, you can notice that translations change. And so the enemy wants to make man's philosophy, man's thoughts, to become our traditions so that we don't even question whether this is truth or not. We just take it as it is, and it takes us down this slippery slope and begins to break down the culture. And it's exactly what the enemy wants. Let me give you some examples. These are just examples. Homosexuality. Our Supreme Court says it's right. So now pastors today are teaching people and preaching to people that homosexuality is not a sin because the Bible says so. So therefore, people can justify homosexuality. See the slippery slope? The culture has opened this door. Laws of the land have said it's okay. So therefore, we have this translation the way we interpret the Bible, that no, it's acceptable, it's not sin. So we even have pastors stepping in the pulpit and saying it's not sin. So therefore, people don't see it as sin. We justify it as right. We live as right. After a while, it becomes normal and it's truth. Same with same-sex marriage. It's not sin because our Supreme Court says it's right. Listen, you would have to rip out Genesis 1 through 3. To believe that. Why? Because that is the foundation of marriage. And that is the truth. But you see how our culture moves away from it? Abortion. We've said that it's not sin because a fetus is not life. And so our culture has said it's not sin because our U.S. Supreme Court says it is right. See, Exodus 21, 22, and 23 is clear that an unborn in a woman's womb is declared life. And now our current struggle in our society, in our culture, in America, is we're to love everybody and we're not to judge their sin. See, in this love that's being pushed, even within the church, is that we're to accept people's sin so we can get along. What we call this social unity, just compromise, just so that we can all get along and we can love everybody and we can have peace. That is a false peace. That is false hope that you can live in unity. And so now we're even creating new laws to silence the believer. And it's deception so that we don't deal with sin. And what happens? Sin then magnifies itself to the point we accept it because it's normal way of life. So it must be right. No, we're to discern sin and we're to confront sin. People say we're not to judge others. See, judge is not that you're pointing the finger, but you're discerning truth so that God is glorified in your life. It's a discernment that we have. I tell you another one, and I'll end with this one because I could give lots of examples. This New Age Spirit Yoga. See, recently our legislature has accepted that we can now have yoga in our public schools. Let me tell you, yoga is based on a false religion of Hinduism. And what does it do? It separates you from God and it joins you with the universe. It is demonic in its very foundation. And we've even accepted Christian yoga. There is no such thing. They are contrary one to another. And recently I heard about Christian Hinduism. 
How can those two things join forces? Do you see how we fall into a slippery slope when we allow different translations of the Bible, man's philosophy, man's thoughts, man's interpretation that he thinks he got a divine revelation from God that no one else got. And so he's on the scene telling us what it's supposed to be like. No, let me tell you, it is all being used by the enemy to take us down. Even another one, tattoos. We're saying now they're just a, what do people say? It's an accepted form of art. It's just an art expression that you put on your body. No, Leviticus 19, 28 says you're not. You do not make any tattoo marks on yourself. What is it? You start to mutilate the body. And mutilation is a form. It comes from mutiny, rebellion. You're rebelling against God. And I'll tell you, it can become an addiction. And that is demonic in itself. So what am I saying? Be on the alert. Use the Word of God. Find you a translation of the Word of God that is a word-for-word translation and stick with it. Be on high alert when someone comes out with what they call a new translation that isn't a translation at all, but it's just their thoughts and philosophy because it is a slippery slope to get you to fall away from the Word of God to rebel against the heart of God and to follow man's ideals, the fleshly passions, the world system and pursuit so that you turn from God. And eventually we don't even know God because we don't know the word of God. I just felt compelled to share this with you today because I tell you there's a battle going on for truth. And the only way you're going to know truth is to stick with the word of God. Thank you for listening to the Becoming His Vessel podcast. If you'd like to receive more resources that would help guide you in becoming His Vessel, I invite you to visit our website at www.hisvessel.org. If you'd like to connect with me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me by calling 334-356-4478. And my prayer is that you would seek to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength as you seek to become His vessel.